Now turn to your neighbor and say, he is risen. He is risen. You know, what you saw in a matter of two minutes is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Literally, 2,000 years ago, uh, the, the enemy hit, Satan, um, hit Jesus with his best shot, which was death in itself. And Jesus took death, took sin upon himself, and three days later rose again and told the enemy, hit me with your best shot. That's all you got. You know what I'm saying? The tomb is empty so that our lives don't have to be. And Jesus treated, really, the grave like a, a staycation here in Waikiki. He was only there for the weekend, man. That's the, that's the God that we serve. Come on, let's give God some praise for who he is tonight. If you don't know, my name is Kalai. I'm one of the pastors here, and if you have your Bibles, we'll be in uh, John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. We're going to look at a specific portion of the video that we just saw, and we're going to look in really from the lens of Scripture to see really some specific things that the first person who encountered Jesus at the first Easter 2,000 years ago, and how this one encounter radically not only changed her life, but changed the world uh, as we know it. So John chapter 20. Verses 11 to 18. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. You'll be up on screen. It says this. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And angels show up three times in, <clears throat> in the life of Jesus. At his birth, during his temptation, and at this resurrection Moment, And I wish I had time to talk about really the significance of these two angels reflecting back to the Old Testament, talking about the mercy seat. But we don't have time for that. Uh, that's another message in itself. And so verse 13 says this. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Now they're asking a question to a woman who's at a tomb, uh, basically a, gra a grave site. And it's kind of a weird question to ask someone who's at a grave site. You know why they're there. They're crying and they're mourning over someone who's at the grave site. It goes on to say, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Now, during this time, grave robbings was kind of a common thing. So her first instinct wasn't that he is risen. She's thinking that someone took the body of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Verse 15, dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Verse 16, Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, or Rabboni, which in Hebrew is uh, the word teacher. Verse 17, Jesus says this, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them this. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then, gave, then she gave them his message. Eight verses right there. We're going to pull out some principles. I want to preach a message to us from this premise. There's joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. There's joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. If you're ready for the word, say yeah. yeah. If you want God to speak to your heart, say oh yeah. oh yeah. That's what we want. So let's pray tonight. God, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is truth. And God, on this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, we pray that your word would come alive. 
which is the theme of our weekend here. God, that you would bring life and hope to every area of our lives. And God, the same power that raised you from the grave, God, we pray that that power would bring life to every aspect of our lives. So we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is soft, open, and receptive for everything that you want to communicate to our lives tonight. Lord, we want to leave better than we came. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. There's joy in the morning. You know, after service, uh, one of the places that many of us are going to go to because there's not too many places to eat after service is Zippy's. Come on, somebody. Right? There's not too many places. There's literally three places. Zippy's, Zippy's, and Zippy's. That's the only choices that you have to eat post-service. And my jam at Zippy's is a zip pack, no Terry extra chicken. And uh, on this one particular uh, day, years ago, I'm headed to Zippy's and I stumbled upon something that really caught me by surprise. And so I went to the two-story Zippy's in Pro City with the goal of getting my jam, you know, the, the zip pack, uh, no Terry extra chicken. So I'm walking up the stairs to go and order uh, my meal. And as I open the door at Zippy's, uh, I am greeted with something that really caught me off guard. I looked down and there was a wad of 20s on the ground at Zippy's. And so the first instinct was someone's trying to frame me. You ever seen those punk shows? You know what I mean? Like, I felt like this was a trap. I walked into a moment where I'm thinking, uh, uh, this is kind of sketchy. So I look around, I assess the situation, and I realize that there's nobody in sight. So I look down the steps to see if there's anyone there. Nobody. I look inside and see if anyone's there. No one. And so I pick up the money, and I counted it, and it came out to $140.20s. Now, I don't know what you would have done when you have a moment like this, but I'm a Christian pastor. So I do, and I did what a normal Christian pastor would do. I kept the money. Now I'm saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't keep the money. The first thing that I did is I turned it in. I asked, is our manager here? And then I turned the money in. But I turned it in with this question in mind. I said, okay, I found this $140, and the person was like, oh, thank you for turning this in. I said, uh, question, uh, what happens if no one claims this money? Which is a you know, valid question. And she said, well, uh, if no one claims it within 30 days, it's yours. So I said, what? Okay. So you know what I did? I pulled out my phone and I looked at 30 days from that particular day. I put a reminder in my phone to call two-story zippies to check and see if the money is still there. So a month goes by, right? A month goes by. And the first thing in that morning I call, I said, can I speak to a manager? Yeah, about a month ago, I found $140 in 20s at your restaurant. And I wanted to know if anyone claimed it. And she said, uh, let me go talk to her manager. She came back. She said, uh, nobody claimed it. The money is yours. I'm like, praise Jesus. The Lord just blessed me. Come on, somebody. I go to Zippy's, get that $140. Of course, tied it to the Lord because that's what my mom taught me how to do from way back in the day. But how many of us know that if you find $140 like that, that will change your life, right? That turns a bad day into a good day, right? Am I right, somebody? $140, man, that's a game-changing thing. And I look at that story, and I think about this story that we just read. Now, Mary, the first person to encounter the resurrection, resurrected Jesus, stumbled upon something that changed her life. In fact, the experience that she had was way more valuable than $140. In fact, coming to an empty tomb is priceless for her. And years later, 2,000 years later, we're still reaping the blessing of this encounter that she had 
with Jesus. And so for us tonight, I want to take a look at this story that Mary had on the first Easter 2,000 years ago and pull out some principles that you and I can apply to our lives so that we can experience the life that Jesus provides for you and I. So if you are taking notes, the first point in our notes is this. We often feel the pain of loss before new life. Write that down. We often feel the pain of loss before new life. Verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped, in, uh, she stooped and looked in. Now, Mary was one of the first people to be at the tomb. In fact, earlier within this chapter, she was the first person who got to the tomb before it even uh, became light. She was there early, early in the morning. Some scholars say at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, why would somebody be up that early in the morning to be at a grave? Well, it shows the connection that she had with Jesus. That's why she was there. She wanted to be at the last place that she had physical contact with Jesus. She wanted to be there because it would bring some sort of connection to her that she lost on Friday of that week. And so when she comes there, she finds that the stone was rolled away. And her first thought isn't thinking, he is risen. She is thinking the body is taken. Someone took the body. And in order for us to understand why she was there and why she was crying, we have to understand a background upon this lady named Mary, Mary Magdalene to be exact. Earlier in uh, other gospels, we find out that this Mary uh, had really a past and she had seven demons casted out of her. Some people say that she was involved in a life of prostitution because of her lifestyle. And so the reason why she has a connection to Jesus is because Jesus not only loved her and accepted her, but she, he healed her. He casted out the seven demons and treated her with unconditional love and respect that nobody else at that time ever greeted her with. And so this person that fully loved her and fully treated her with respect and unconditional love, she experiences loss of this person. So there's a connection with Jesus that she had that nobody else had. Why? Because Jesus did something, a miracle in her life. Now, Jesus would say this, that he or she who has been forgiven much loves much. And so this Mary experienced ultimate forgiveness, her past being wiped away. How many of us are thankful that the Lord that we serve has a magic eraser, that he wipes away our past when we come into a relationship with him? And so this Mary had her past wiped away, and that's why she was at the tomb. That's why she was there, because she had a connection with Jesus, because Jesus did something that radically changed her life that no one else could have done for her in her life. So she's at the tomb, and she's feeling the loss of Jesus. Psalms 30 verse 5 says this, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Joy comes with the morning. So joy comes with the morning. M-O-R-N-I-N-G, but joy also comes with the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. She's mourning the loss of Jesus, and through her mourning, she experiences the joy that Jesus will offer her later on in this story. Oftentimes, when we experience life, we don't mourn well. Can we be honest? 
we find ourselves distracted with different things and we find ourselves trying to take our minds off the loss instead of processing the loss in a right way. So she's mourning the loss in a right way and she comes to experience joy later on in the story. But here's what I want to say about this is because oftentimes we want the joy of Resurrection Sunday, but we don't want to experience the loss that came on Friday. We love Resurrection Sunday. We like the new life that Jesus offers, but we want to avoid Friday. We want to avoid Saturday. We don't want to suffer loss. We just want to experience life. I'm here to tell you that you can't have one without the other. If you want joy in the morning, we also have to experience the pain of loss that comes on a Friday. And some of us are right there in our lives right now. You're on a Friday. You're experiencing a level of loss, maybe in a relationship, maybe in a job, maybe in a career. Some level of your life you're experiencing loss, and you are on a Friday. My encouragement to you is this. Sunday's coming. Sunday is right around the corner. So don't give up hope because you're on a Friday. Continue to persevere because Sunday is coming. Last year, Easter is a special place in my heart because last year, uh, as you are and everybody else was celebrating Easter, my wife and I were expecting and receiving our firstborn child named Judah. He's somewhere around here running around causing a muck in the back, but he's a, our, 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 our loved child. And so while everybody was at Easter, my wife and I was in the hospital, and I really got to experience uh, two miracles, uh, my, the miracle of my son being born, but the miracle of me and my wife becoming parents. I became a father in that moment, and my wife became a mother. And so Easter has always had a special place in our heart because our hashtag was empty tomb, empty womb, because that's what we experienced last <laughs> Easter, you know what I'm saying? So as great and as life-giving as that moment was when I saw my son come out, and here's the good thing, uh, the crazy thing about it is that we didn't want to know what the gender was until my son was born. And so uh, I was like, I was by my wife's head. I didn't want to be anywhere near the region where my son was going to come into the picture. And then the nurse was like, hey, you want to come and take a look? And I come and take a look, and I didn't know what to look for. All I just saw was his full head of hair. And then once he moved around, I was like, it's a boy. We got a boy, hon. You know what I'm saying? That was a great moment where we got that first reveal, and we had an experience of joy in that moment that uh, it's hard to describe with words. But we experienced joy in that moment. But a couple months before that, several months before that, my wife and I experienced the loss of a miscarriage. And so although the, the joy of the, the, the new birth was exciting for my wife and I, we also had to go through the pain of losing a child. And if you ever experienced that, you know that that's a, a difficult place to be, to, to have joy about being pregnant, but then also experiencing the loss of that baby at the same time. And at that time, it was kind of difficult because we didn't really tell anybody that we were pregnant. And everybody would be asking us questions like, oh, when are you guys going to get pregnant? And then we would have to drop the news on them. Yeah, we did, but we lost the baby. And that turned into like an awkward conversation. Everyone was like, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for us... Although the joy was exciting, the only reason why the joy was more exciting because we understood what the pain of loss was in our lives. And I want to encourage you with this, that life is filled with life, new life, but also it's filled with losses. And they both go hand in hand. That's really the cycle of life. You experience a loss in one season, and then in the next season, you experience new life. Loss and new life is the rhythm of life that we have 
And many times we want Sunday, but we also need to understand that Sunday comes with Fridays. And so if you got a Friday right now, be encouraged because Sunday is coming. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. And I want to give you another fun fact. Because although Mary came to the tomb and realized that the stone was rolled away, many people think that the stone was rolled away because Jesus was trying to get out of the tomb. I want to encourage you with this. The stone wasn't moved for Jesus to get out of the tomb. The stone was moved so that we can get into the tomb. Meaning this, Jesus took the biggest barrier called sin that kept us from God. He conquered sin and death, rolled the stone away so that you and I now can enter into his presence. There is no barrier now blocking us from God. God removed that barrier through Jesus Christ and now we have free access into God and into his presence. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Why? Because we don't have any barriers anymore. Jesus took care of the barrier, and now you and I have free access to the Father through Jesus Christ. I am preaching so well right now, and you guys are looking at me. This is fire, and this is why we have services, not to just go through a service, but to really celebrate what Jesus did for you and I. Second point in our notes is this. Jesus is close even if unnoticed. He's close even if we don't notice him. Verse 14 and 15 gives us some insight to this passage. It says this. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him, which is interesting because she was with Jesus for about three years of his ministry. So you would think if you spent that much time with someone that you'd be able to recognize him. But for some reason, that doesn't really spoken clearly in scripture she couldn't recognize Jesus so dear woman why are you crying Jesus asked her who are you looking for she thought he was the gardener I'm going to come back and talk about that sir she said if you have taken him away tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him see Mary at this point she was trying to find a dead body she was looking for a corpse she was not looking for a living person. She was looking for the last version of Jesus that she remembered. And her last picture of Jesus was literally dying on the cross for our sins. So that's what she was looking for. And that's probably the reason why she couldn't really see who he was because what she was looking for didn't match the form in which Jesus wanted to reveal himself to her. Ever been in a situation like that where you're looking for God and you can't find him anywhere? You ever been in a situation like that where you feel like, God, where are you? I don't see you anywhere in my life. I don't see you in this situation. And you feel all alone and you feel lost. That's exactly what Mary's experiencing in this moment, which gives us this truth. That it's possible for us to be in the presence of Jesus and not even know it. Think about that. You can be in the presence of God and have no idea that he's there. Why? Because oftentimes we're unaware. We're not tuning in to his presence. You can be in a service like this and you see one person crying and weeping. Why? Because they're encountering the living presence of God and you're asking yourself, why are they crying? You don't have any sorts of, you know, emotions in your life and you feel like, what are they experiencing that's different from my experience? Because we can all be in the same room and all experience Jesus in a particular way, but yet still not see him in our lives. And I wonder if we all have situations in our lives where Jesus is present, we just don't notice him. 
You ever find yourself being so busy that you just are too busy to be bothered? Meaning that you're so going through life that you're on your rhythm and that you know, really you don't want to be interrupted? Jesus oftentimes has to interrupt our lives for him to be noticed by us. But you and I can be so busy that Jesus is trying to get our attention. We just don't notice him. So Mary thought he was the gardener. And we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But this thinking about how Jesus sometimes is all around us, but we're not conscious of him. You ever had a conversation with another person and you're talking about maybe golf and different things, and then you go to pull up your, your phone, your social media, and you realize that everything on your feed is related to what you just talked about? You ever notice that? You're like, I'm just talking about golf. Why is my whole feed just filled with golf and all the different things about golf clothes and, you know, Placing golf clubs and all of these things. Ever that happened to you? Just talking about maybe going to eat Zippies and then Zippies is all up in your feed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And you're thinking like, man, is someone like listening in to our conversation? Yeah, someone is. Our phone is literally oftentimes listening into our conversation and they're using that as a marketing target or marketing tactic to really get us what we feel like or what our phone feels like we need. So Siri is listening in on our conversation and starts to funnel information to us. Now, we don't see a Siri all around us, but Siri is kind of listening in. I want to tell you that Jesus is like a better Siri. Because Siri is trying to take something from you. The Spirit of God is trying to give something in you and put something in your life. He's trying to give you love. He's trying to give you peace. He's trying to give you grace and his presence. You don't know that he's trying to do that because we're so busy and distracted Siri's trying to take something from you. God's trying to put something in you. And if we ever take the time to be pause or take a pause in our life to slow down, maybe then and only then can we experience the presence of God because now we're at a posture that we can actually see him. So if your life is too fast, I want to encourage you to slow down because Jesus is all around, the word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So she thought that he was the gardener. And you would think that that's just a random part within the story that the writer of the scripture just threw in there. But how many of us know that every single word within scripture has purpose and has meaning? She thought he was the gardener, and in some sense he wasn't, but in some sense he was. Flashback to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God is in the garden with Adam and Eve. They have full communion. They're having relationship. Nothing is hindering their relationship. Sin comes into the picture. Now there's a separation between God and man. So Jesus dealt with the separation of God and man that was sin on the cross. And now he literally is the gardener. Why? Because now after the cross, he's restoring us to relationship how it was before sin came into the picture. So we had fellowship with God one-on-one. Now, post-resurrection, Jesus is now establishing that same connection with him that he once had, that you and I once had in the garden. So Jesus really is the true gardener, restoring us back to communion with his creation. So slow down so that we can experience God in our lives. Third point in our notes is this as we seek Jesus he reveals himself and hope comes alive Mary says uh, Mary Jesus said she turned to him and cried out Rabboni which is Hebrew 
for teacher. Before this moment, Mary was the first at the tomb, and Mary is the only one that stayed at the tomb long enough to have this encounter with Jesus. The disciples came, Peter and John, they experienced the same thing that Mary did, but they went home. Mary was the only one that stayed. And how many of us are thankful for people that stay? When they have every reason to go, when their lives are just so busy, but they choose to stay. Why did Mary stay? Because love chooses to stay. So Mary stays, and she lingers, and Jesus reveals himself to her in this moment. Why? Because she, she chose to stay at the tomb. And so Mary reveals himself, um, Jesus reveals himself to Mary, and she didn't notice him, but it was this one word from Jesus that opened her eyes, maybe opened her ears to recognize that the person that she was talking to was Jesus himself. I want to encourage you with this. One word from Jesus radically changed Mary's situation. I want to encourage you that one word from Jesus tonight can radically change your situation as well. One word from God can turn sorrow into joy because of what Jesus wants to do in us. He's not going to change your situation. Oftentimes, he will change your perception of the situation that you're in. And that's exactly what he did for Mary. So in an instant, the shortest message ever preached in scripture, one word, Mary, radically changed Mary's life. How many of us want a one-word sermon from the Lord that would radically change our lives? How many of us know that you came and just said, Jesus, amen, and then let's go. Call it a night. One-word messages. But this one-word message changed the life of Mary. And I believe tonight Jesus not only called the name of Mary, I believe tonight Jesus is going to call some of our names here tonight as well. He's going to call a John. He's going to call a Steve. He's going to call a Craig. He's going to call us Samantha. I don't know what names are in this room tonight, but I feel like the presence of God is going to start to call people's names into relationship, out of darkness, and into light tonight. The thing I love about this is that Jesus revealed himself to Mary vocally, not visually. You ever thought about that? She saw him, but it's only when she heard him that the revelation of Jesus came to her, which reminds me of a scripture that says this, faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. The revelation of Jesus came through Mary's ears before it came to her eyes. What is the significance of that? Uh, significance of that is this, many times we're looking for God with our eyes, maybe we should start to listen to God with our ears. Then maybe you might not see God visually with your eyes, but maybe the sense that God wants to speak to you is not your eyes. Maybe he wants to speak to you through your ears. And here's what the voice of God sounds like. The voice of God doesn't sound like your dad yelling at you or your mom trying to get your attention. The voice of God is not a yell. The voice of God is a whisper. God wants to speak to you a whisper word tonight. Now, why would Jesus whisper to you? The only reason why you would whisper to someone is because you're close to the person. You don't yell at a person who's right by your face. You whisper to the person. 
So even the way that Jesus speaks to us reminds us of the proximity that he has to us, that he's not a far God who's far away. He's a near God who whispers to our hearts. We just need to lean in and listen. So maybe our prayer should change from God, open my eyes to see, to God, open my ears to hear. God wants to speak to our hearts, but we need ears that are ready to hear what he has to say to us. And it won't be in a loud voice, but it will be in a whisper. Why? Because he whispers because he is close to us. Final point in our notes is this. Hope's joy is meant to be shared with others. Write that down. This joy of hope that we have is meant to be shared, not to be kept to ourselves. Verse 17 and 18 says this, Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers, interesting word there, and tell them I am ascending to my Father, interesting, and your Father, to my God, and now your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. Mary, the one that had all the issues in her past, who had demons in her life, became the first person to meet the resurrected Jesus, but also became the first messenger of the resurrected Jesus. She was the first one to see, but she was also the first one to be sent to tell the world about Jesus. What does that mean for us? It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what kind of issues you find yourself in right now in this season of your life. One encounter with Jesus can not only change your life, but can change the position that you have with Jesus. That he can also reveal himself to you and then send you out to be a missionary to tell the world about his amazing love. So Jesus tells her, don't cling to me. Probably because Mary had a death grip on him. If she really, really loved Jesus as we talked about, which we know that she did. The first time she saw him, what did she do? She probably had a polar bear hug on Jesus and was not about to let him go. She was like, man, I lost you once. I am never going to let you go again. And Jesus' response was kind of interesting. She's like, don't cling. He said, don't cling to me, which would kind of be weird, right? Like, why would you say to someone who really loves you, do not cling to me? Why? Because she was holding on to a version of Jesus in a physical form, but Jesus was about to send her something different. His spirit. His body was limited to time and space, which means that if you were next to Jesus, you had to be in the room with Jesus to get the benefits of Jesus. He's saying, I'm going to give you something better. When I go to the Father, I'm going to send my spirit, which means anywhere that you go, my spirit goes with you as well. So I'm no longer limited in time and space like my physical body is. My presence goes anywhere. So everywhere you go, guess what? The presence of God is with you as well. So don't hold on to the physical Jesus, hold on to the spiritual aspect that Jesus gives us, which is the power of his presence. Come on, somebody. The presence of God is with you. Don't ever feel like you're alone because his presence is right there with you. Oftentimes, we're holding on to something old when God wants to give us something new. And that's what Mary encountered, something new. And Jesus said something interesting here. As we come to a close that I want to give to us, he says here uh, and acknowledges his relationship with the disciples. He's calling them brother now. 
But if you rewind to John chapter 15, his last encounter with the disciples, what he called them was friends. That was an elevated relationship that he had with them. It went from slave to friends. He's having a relationship with them on a friendship level. But resurrected Jesus is now having a different kind of relationship with the disciples. John 20, 20 is saying that he's calling them family. So in an instance, the disciple went from friends to Jesus to family with Jesus. He said, find my brothers and let them know that the, my father and your father, it's the first time in scripture where Jesus calls the disciples family. Why is that? Because only after the resurrection did the disciples now have a relationship with Jesus that moves past friendship. We went from friendship to family. What does that mean? Something about the resurrection changed the way that Jesus even related to his disciples. Now they're not friends anymore. They took this, the relationship to a higher level. They went from friends to family. And anytime now we come into a relationship with Jesus, we move beyond friendship. Now we're family. We're sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Why? Because of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. He instills a relationship with him. And family is the most close relationship that you and I can have with any person to call someone family. Because family, you don't choose family, right? You don't have a choice in your family. You're born into a family. Same thing happens spiritually. When we come into a relationship with God, we don't choose our family. We're born into a new spiritual family. And now God sees us as his children, and we can relate to Jesus as brother and friend. Takes the relationship to a higher relationship. So for us tonight, God wants to move us from friends to family, and he wants to change our mourning into joy. A person in our church who went through a dark season, went through a difficult time, was about to give up on life, but she encountered this Jesus that we're talking about, and her life was radically changed. Take a look at her story on screen. last four years of my life, it was literally draining because I was dealing with an unknown blood issue, so I just couldn't stop bleeding. Her blood count was at two. That normal blood count is, what, 13? And they didn't know how this girl was still alive and walking and doing what she does. Once every week, every Friday, we would go into the cancer treatment, sat there for maybe four hours and get a, a iron infusion while they figure out what was going on with her. At that time, no one was, you cannot go into the hospital. It was just one person. And this was a moment that I needed to trust God. I just felt like it was so unfair for her to walk through this alone. The first procedure was really scary because when they first put it through her system, her whole body shut down. I, I just remember her saying, Mom, I can't breathe. I just remember 
just fully surrendering Moana to God and saying, God, if this is your will to take her, then just let me be. During that time with God, I felt like he was always trying to talk to me, but I was always ignoring him because you're God, you can fix this. So I was like mad at him. I didn't want to talk to him. Life's battle had hardened her heart to where she felt like she needed to be strong. And she put up a wall so high that no one could break it. And I, I felt like she did that with God. I understood, you know, that anger. She almost felt like she was cursed. You know, everything always happens to her. Man, I pray to God to restore her and to restore her relationship with him. I never really knew how to pray, so I got a journal and I just started writing love letters to him. And my first journal entry was very like funny. It was more so like, hey father, like what's up? <laughs> like, we could be friends, I'm cool, you're cool, let's talk. Seekwick was very interesting because I've never did something like that with the church. These women, they like did, they just put their hands on me and they started praying for me. And then literally a couple days right after we went to the hospital. And we were sitting there and the doctor was just like, her, everything, her blood count is tripled. And I was telling the doctor, I said, man, this girl, she has so much energy now. At like six o'clock, she's running and I'm looking for her, like. <laughs> I didn't know God was gonna do that for me. I didn't know he was gonna heal me. Like, I was just believing he'd give me a job. I was excited because now I feel like I can do anything. My sister Lofa, we lead um, our new small group. We, um, we actually have way more girls than we ever did. After the healing, man, that group, like they had like 13 youth in their group. And then our group blew up too. It went from two to 11. I don't know if you guys have seen this girl dance, but this girl is very gifted. When she danced, man, she's so happy. I always told her that she was meant for dancing. She just looks so free. healed me from something that couldn't be cured, something that the doctors couldn't even tell what it is. He heard me, he seen me, and that's all I need. 
I just need someone to see me. She's strong. I see greatness in her. Juana is my miracle child. Give God praise for that powerful story. I think I love about that story that I don't think you may be caught in that story is that her Friday of loss happened over four years. And throughout the four years, there was highs and lows and numerous times within that journey of four years where she wanted to throw in the towel and call it quits. In fact, there was a few occasions where she would skip out on our treatment because she just didn't want to live anymore. But her mom wouldn't give up on her, and I think the Spirit of God wasn't going to give up on her as well. And so four years later, she's in one of our prayer circles and our prayer nights, and she comes up to receive prayer. You know what she went to pray for? She was asking God for a job. That was her prayer. God, give me a job. And God gave her something better than a job. God gave her a brand new life. God gave her healing in an instant. She came looking for one thing, and God superseded her need and gave her something else. He gave her a miracle that only he could do in her life. So I share that with you to encourage you that there's joy in the morning. You might be on a Friday. You're Friday, and it might be going for four years, 10 years, 15 years. Don't give up because Sunday is coming. And the same power that raised Jesus from the grave wants to reveal himself to you tonight. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word and this truth about who you are to us. And God, I pray in this room, God, that you would reveal yourself to us in a real tangible way. In the same way that you revealed yourself to Mary in the scripture, to Moana in this story. I pray that you would reveal yourself to all of us here tonight. For the person who's known you for years, God, and to the person who's never encountered this love that we're talking about, God, I pray that you would cover everyone on that spectrum, even those watching this years later on YouTube. God, you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. We thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.